0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Good morning. Hallelujah. Good morning. Amen. We welcome you on this day, the first Sunday in 2019. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I am Pastor Miracle-Pettinger, and I am so excited, as always, about God's word. And I thank God for this new year of 2019, a year we have never seen before. And this is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen. As as we've talked about even on uh, last, uh, last Sunday, 2019 marks the start of a new season. Hallelujah. And a new divine assignment God has given us in the earth. And I know the word that God has given for preceding word is that 2019 will be a time of prayer performance and prosperity mm-hmm. now we must enter into a more intense season of prayer to see the supernatural performance of god and live in his glorious prosperity hallelujah and so because of that we're going to focus on what prayer is and what this really means to have a more intense time of prayer and we're going the title of today's message is wake up it's time to pray mm-hmm. wake up It's time to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. So again, the year of 2019 for this house, God was sharing with us that it's a more intense season of prayer. So we can witness the supernatural performance of God. God, as we enter into this more intense, more diligent, more extensive season of praying, communicating with our heavenly father and talking to him, not only to talk to him, but to hear him talk to us. We're going to be in a position to witness the supernatural performance of God. There's some things God is going to do that no man can do. It's outside of the norm. It's what normal man and humanity, human flesh cannot do in their own strength. So it's the supernatural ability of God is going to perform, demonstrate his awesomeness, his power, his might in the earth through situations and circumstances that we're going, that we may go through in this year to demonstrate his glory, and in doing so. We're going to be in position because of our, our more, uh, because of our more developed and mature relationship with God. We're going to be able to not only see the performance, but actually dwell and live in the prosperity, the glorious prosperity of God. Not to our benefit, but to God's benefit. It's going to be a, a, a season of prosperity that is sustained and maintained by God himself. We don't have to put our hands on it. Hallelujah. We don't have to touch it. We don't have to intervene. We don't have to try to defend or justify it. But guess what? God can do it all by himself. And as long as we stay in position and right relationship with God, we will see him do it and we will experience it. Amen. And reap the harvest and then enjoy the, the harvest and the benefits of it all in Jesus' name. So as we said, we're going to focus on that first part, prayer, a more intense season of prayer. So, what is prayer? Marion Webster has many definitions for the word prayer, and just a few of them are listed here. A uh, prayer is prayer is an address, some uh, such as a petition to address uh, an address to God or a God in word or thought. So what that even tells us, when you address, petition, make known to the one true and living God, or maybe you're doing it to some other gods, some little gods in the earth. But who, to whom do you pray? To whom do you address? To whom do you present your concerns? And whether it's in thought or in word. Are you giving them to Jehovah, the one true and living God, or are you giving them to your neighbor? Are you giving them to a sense, uh, a false sense of security in your job? Or a false sense of pride in what you think you can do uh, for yourself? Who are you addressing it to? Prayer is a set of words used in praying. What are you saying? Are you intentional about what you say? Are you mindful about what you say? Because your words have power. We know that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we know that we live by the words that come forth out of our mouths. Prayer is also an earnest request or wish. It is the act or practice of praying to God or a God. And so, of course, when we talk about prayer, we're talking about prayer to the one true and living God. Not to idol gods, not to false gods, not to demigods. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about the one true and living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, our heavenly Father who is in heaven. We reverence and we acknowledge him that he is holy. He is high above every situation, every circumstance. That his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is righteous. His ways are more right than what we ever think or can imagine or even try to justify to ourselves in any way, shape, or form. Hallelujah, that's what we're talking about. And so what is intense prayer? So now that we understand that prayer is that communication, prayer is that address, it's that petition, it's that dialogue, it's it's more than just a dialogue where one person is talking. Uh, Well, excuse me, it is a dialogue. Between two people is more than just a monologue, excuse me, as I meant to say. It's a monologue where one person says everything and nobody gets to respond. It's a dialogue between you and your heavenly father. When you have relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and you say unto your heavenly father, whether you call him father, daddy, papa, however you address him, as long as it's with respect, respect for his authority, respect for his provision respect for his ability to create things through the power of his word His spoken word his written word even his very thoughts have power How do we know that Jeremiah tells tells us in, in Jeremiah that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts His ways are higher than our ways and not only are they higher, but they hold power They hold authority all God had to do was think it and it comes to pass so What's this more intense prayer when we address the concerns and the issues of our heart, our mind to him? It means that we're entering into this dialogue, this communication with the Lord, into this relationship with, with that is consistent and disciplined. Prayer. I want you, I want you to expand your definition and your revelation of prayer. So we understand that as we begin to engage more intently, that we're doing so that we're going to be more consistent with it, and we're going to be disciplined with it. That when I talk to God, I am going to talk to him more consistently. But not only that, I am going to open my ears to hear what he has to say back to me. I'm not going to close my ears to what God has to say to me. I'm going to discipline myself not to immediately react out of fear, anger, rejection, bitterness, or frustration to things of this world. But I'm going to look up and open my ears to hear what is coming from above. Lord, how do you want me to respond? Before I open my mouth, I will first open my ears. I will discipline myself. I will train myself. First, listen before I speak idle words. So that in more intense prayer means I'm focused. Hallelujah. And I'm continual about it. Not only am I going to be consistent with it every single time, but I have to do it continually. That doesn't mean that I always have to be on my knees 24/7, um, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There's a spirit of prayer, even in your mind, your will, your emotions as you go about daily routines and different daily routines and exercises and and, and duties of the day. We should have a spirit of prayer. Your spirit should be open to hearing what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you and to your to your family, to your ministry, to you, how to govern on your job and through your education. And you should be bringing your petition, your request to him. But and as we do that, we know the word of God tells us, whatever we pray, if we believe that we receive when we pray, it is done. So our continual petition or address to God is not, Lord, Lord, please give, Lord, please give, Lord, please give. We may ask, say, Lord, please, and we thank him for doing it. And so the continual part of that is, Lord, I thank you that you have given me. Lord, I thank you you have done this. Because I believe when I ask you the first time, you've already done it. And until I see it manifest in the earth, I know what it's already done in heaven. And I'm going through the process of preparation. I'm going through the process of waiting in this earthly realm while everything else is being set in order so I can see the physical manifestation of it. And during that time, during that process, I say, thank you, Lord. So I continually give thanks. I continually say, Lord, I acknowledge that you have done this for me already. Even though I can't see it, I don't know where it's coming from. Lord, I know that you have already done it and I praise you in advance. Lord, because I trust your ability to provide for me. I praise you and I give you thanks. I don't have to see it in order to believe it. I believe I walk by faith and not by sight. Therefore, I praise you now even before I can see it. Because I guarantee you, if you can praise him, before you even have the money in your hand, there will be a greater amount that he deposits into because of your praise and thanksgiving unto him. Because you have a full trust and you fully rely and depend On him to do it for you. And you're not trying to touch it in your own strength. I don't care how long it takes. Maybe you're getting towards the midnight hour. And you may not see it yet. But he is yet and still Jehovah Jireh. The provision of the Lord shall be revealed. It's already been manifested. So intense prayer means that we're consistently and continually disciplining ourselves. Training ourselves. Not to react in our flesh, but to call upon the Lord and to open our ears to hear His voice, so we can hear what the Spirit is saying to our to our church, our tabernacle, to our person. And as we pray and as we communicate with Him, and He communicates with us, we are intentional and we are focused. We're not praying just for the sake of praying out of vain repetition. We're doing it with intention. We may not be able to pray for everything at the at one time, but we're focusing our thoughts, focusing our words. If this is the time that God is, is calling you to a place of prayer to just to honor him, we focus on honoring him, recognizing his authority, recognizing his abilities, what he's done for others, we know he will do for us. That's why we take the time to say, Lord, I thank you that you are a healer. Because you've healed me before, I know you can heal me again. Lord, you've healed others, and so I know you can do it for me. Lord, I thank you for being a banker, because you've opened up doors and finances and ushered in different uh, pathways of financial income and stability. Lord, I thank you. Recognize him for who he is. He provides not only he provides multiple streams of income, but not only that, he provides peace in the midst of the storms that we go through in this life. He provides direction. He is a teacher. He is an instructor. And you can even talk to him in a way that you understand. God will always talk to you in a way that you understand. Even if it if you break it down to say, Lord, I thank you for being the cross guard. Because you guide me and you cross me safely over from one destination to the next so I don't get hit by anything. Because yeah. maybe you need God to be a crossing guard in your marriage. Maybe you need God to be a crossing guard in your finances or at work or in the community to cross you over from one situation to the next or from one position to the next or from one assignment or one duty or responsibility to the next. I need him to be a crossing guard in my life every day. Lord, I need you to carry me. Walk me through the relationships, the responsibilities that I have. Show me where the crosswalk is so I don't go off guard, so I don't go off track, because I don't want to get hit unnecessarily by oncoming traffic. So, Lord, I need to look. I need to watch as well as pray. I need to look and listen In that season of more intense prayer, I'm disciplining myself to open my ears to hear his voice. But I'm also opening myself and disciplining myself, structuring myself to be discerning and aware and alert and awake to what is going on around me. Therefore, I can pray strategically. I can communicate intentionally. I can be focused in my words. We're talking about an intense a more intense season of prayer. Hallelujah. And that's why we all have to be awake and alert. Awake and alert. Sometimes we say, okay, I asked God once. I don't have to ask him no more. Oh, I, I pray for healing. I thank God for healing. He healed me so I don't I thank God for healing anymore. We let a lot of stuff slide and slip away and fall away. And we become asleep. Well, I thank God for I prayed over my husband that one time, and so i want have to pray over him again because nothing bad has ever happened to him. I guarantee you, you keep that up. The time you don't pray for him is the time something happens. You walk out the door and something happens. Trust me, I know. God told me to pray, and I didn't pray. And I thought, oh, he'll be all right. I don't have to do all that. Next thing I know, I got a phone call. He had been in a car accident. And I, and, and what what. Jumped in my quickened in my spirit was, Why didn't I do what God told me to do and pray for my husband before he left the house? Well, he was busy. He was running out the door. I didn't want to bother him. Those were excuses. That was not what the Spirit of the Lord said. I could have simply just prayed, even in my spirit, even if it wasn't out loud, over him. Lord, guide him, keep him. Lord, cover him with your blood for the crown of his head to souls and keep your angels encamped all around him. Lord, I thank you that he has safe travels to work and back home safely, that his vehicle works in excellent mechanical order. And so you must stay awake and alert. We live in a day and age, not because of, of just the time, but because we're in this world and not of it. Evil is always present. Dangers are always around us. That's why even in the model prayer, God's um, the Lord taught us to pray, um, Lord, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Why? Because evil is ever-present all around us. And we don't want to walk into the evil. That's why we need to stay on the path. Stay on the crosswalk. Let the Lord guide you. He will keep you safe. Hallelujah. More intense prayer. Intense prayer. That's what, so when we talk about intense prayer, think about it being more, because that communication, you're developing your love relationship with God. You're communicating with him. He's communicating with you. You are disciplining yourself. You are being consistent and continual in how you do it and when you do it. You're being intentional and you're being focused with your words. We saw even the definition of prayer. Now, Prayer has to do with words and thoughts. Focus your thoughts. Not about what he did and what she did and what they did and how they hurt me. But Lord, how I love you. And Lord, how you love me. And Lord, show me how to love those other people. Because if you allow God to show you how to love others right, it'll fix and it will get rid of the hurt and the pain and you will not be easily offended by others and you won't be offended by God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so, intense prayer. Why does that, what does the Bible have to say about that? We look at Luke chapter 18, verse one, it says on, it says one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Even Jesus taught the disciples to always pray and never give up. Sometimes when situations and things become too hard and too challenging and we get frustrated, we want to give up easily. God brings, uh, com- God brings correction to us and he confronts. So we're in a situation or a circumstance. something is going on. It's not quite working out the way we want it to. We get frustrated. So what because we are open to hear what God has to say, He will come up to us and He will present to us correction through people, through documents, held, some form of correction, through authority that's around us or over us. He'll bring us correction. And in our humanness, and our flesh, our first instinct is to defend ourselves and to justify how we are right and the correction is wrong. And how we ought to, so the only resolution is to give up. But that's the world's way of doing things. That's the human way of doing things. Remember, we are supernatural, because we've got got that super spirit on the inside of this natural body. We are not of this world. So I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body, but I am first and foremost spirit. Therefore, I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of me. I'm not going to live by my flesh. That's why the flesh responds, is by getting angry, frustrated, defensive and then quitting and giving up. But the Holy Spirit triggers you to communicate with your Heavenly Father, to open your ears, to hear, and to receive the correction and the instruction that you need so you do not give up. So don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of praying and talking to your Heavenly Father because at the end of the day, He is all you have and He is all you need. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. We're talking about intense prayer. Never stop praying. It's continual. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you belong to Christ? Yes. Hallelujah. I belong to Christ. So, what's God's will for me? That I never stop praying, that I be joyful and that I be thankful. Lord, I thank you for the correction. It hurt. It stung. But I thank you. Because you're talking to me. You're keeping me safe. You're trying to keep me on the crosswalk. Lord, I thank you that even that door closed because you're keeping me safe. You're keeping me from... You're you're making sure... I asked you not to lead me into temptation, so you closed the door. Even though it was a door I thought... Wanted me to go through that I really, really wanted to go through. It looks so good on the other side, but guess what? God's delivering you from some stuff. When God delivers you from some things, it's going to make your flesh ache and hurt. It might sting a bit, just like pulling a thorn out of your flesh. It hurts, or a splinter. Sometimes a splinter is the most painful thing. It's as little as it is. When you pull that piece out, and then, and sometimes you'd rather live with the splinter than try to get it out. But when God wants, but can you be thankful that this once the splinter got in there, you're thankful that the splinter was there, but can you also be thankful that God is, is trying, to, has got his tweezers and he's pulling it out? Whether well, it's tweezers of his word, tweezers of ministers and pastors and prophets and apostles. Tweezers of correction even through governmental organizations or through the authority of the land. Sometimes that pain, that fine, but that ticket is a tweezer to teach you to stop speeding. Ah, tweezers. God's got to use some stuff. Can you be thankful for the tweezers? In all circumstances, in all circumstances, tweezers, whatever it is, Lord, I thank you because it's your will because I belong to you and you're keeping me safe, safe on the crosswalk. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 4 and 7 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Jesus is coming soon. Well, yes, we do not know the day nor the hour, but I guarantee it is soon. Hallelujah. I don't want anything to hinder me from being caught up in the first go-around. I want to to hear the trumpet sound and be caught up. Just let my clothes lay on the floor. Don't worry about me. I'm gone. You can't find me. Not on Facebook, not on Twitter. uh, I'm gone. And therefore I need to be earnest and disciplined. Earnest and disciplined. Lord, I thank you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I choose to forgive others. Because I don't want any anger, bitterness, resentment, unbelief, uh, disappointment to hinder me from being caught up in the rapture. Hallelujah. Luke 22 and 44 says, Jesus, he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And this is about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, even Jesus, Prayed intently, with intensity, fervently. And he prayed so hard, big globs of sweat fell to the ground. That's how hard he prayed. He was continual. He was fervent. He was disciplined in what he was saying unto his heavenly Father. And hearing his Father respond back to him. Because he was going through some things. Yes, a lot of things had gone right, but a lot of things were starting to go wrong. But he knew that it was yet and still the will of God. Because God was not going to embarrass himself, even through these difficult, challenging situations. Talk about God was about, Jesus himself made manifest in the flesh, was about to feel more than just tweezers on his body. He was about to feel literally a crown of thorns on his head to be whipped in his back with a with a, with a a cat of nine tails, a lash with many stri- strips on it that had leather, and broken, uh, strips of leather with broken pieces of glass and different point sharp objects all in it and nails that would literally rip the flesh from his bones. And yet and still, he prayed that the will of God be done and he submitted himself to the will of the Father. Because it wasn't just about him. And there was a purpose to all of this. Ah, verse 46 while he was in the garden says in the New Living Translation, um, because even he wanted the disciples to pray. And we too are disciples of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And it's also God's desire that we learn to pray more intently with more intensity to be fervent with our prayers, to be continual in the prayers, to be focused and disciplined in our prayers. And when he gave these disciples the opportunity, guess what? They fell asleep. And in, 40, in verse 46, it says, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. When the temptation comes and is presented in front of you, that's not the sin. The sin is when you yield to temptation. So we have tried to avoid even being led into certain temptations altogether, especially when you know that you are easily um easily influenced to do certain things and your strength and your faith is not there yet. That's why if you've got delivered from your drinking and alcoholism, we recommend that you avoid going to the club because or the ABC store. Because that's where alcohol is. And you're still working on with them maturing in how to uh, how to resist certain things. And to occupy your mind and your hands with things that glorify God. So we see that we not to give in to temptation. Don't give in to the temptation to give up. Don't give in to the temptation to run away out of bitterness, anger, and rejection. Don't give in to the temptation of being disobedient to the instructions and the correction of God. And so we see, so how do we engage in this intense prayer? And we see the perfect example with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. We're going to look at those examples here and and we'll be done in just a few moments. Matthew 26, 36 and 46 says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he sat and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray, He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Remember, Jesus knew what was about to happen. And he he is, even though he was 100% God, he was also 100% human. And his body felt the stress and the anger and the worry and the concern and the anxiety of what was about to happen. So guess what? Even though we go through situations like that, we feel it. Jesus knows exactly how that feels because he felt it himself. And this is what he did. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So when Jesus told the disciples to stay here and keep watch, he was not just saying to stay awake and keep your eyes open and watch to see if anybody was coming physically. He was also saying to stay awake, stay alert, and be in a spirit of prayer and intercession so the enemy doesn't sneak up on us, both naturally and spiritually. So that was the assignment, the duty, the task that God had given even his disciples is to enter into a time of consecrated prayer and intercession. And we're going to talk about the difference between prayer and intercession a little bit later. Verse 39. He went on a little further and bowed with his head to (coughs) the ground. Praying. My Father, (coughs) excuse me, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knew that Everything that he was about to go through, he didn't have to do it. Even Jesus had free will. And yet and still, he was saying, Lord, my body, my flesh, does not want to do this. But I yet bring my spirit subject to the spirit and the authority and the power of the one true and living God. And because of that, I yield and bring myself subject to your word. I bring my flesh subject to your word and to your will. Because I want your will to be done, not mine. Let me check in with you to tell you to make my petition to you, to let you know how I feel, what I'm thinking. And I need you, Lord, to guide me through this process. Cross me over from this place to the next. Show me which way to go in Jesus' name. Verse 40 says, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. They had an assignment, and they fell asleep. He prayed to Peter. He said to Peter, can't you watch even with me? Can can you watch with me even one hour? Verse 41, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak <laughs> so peter and the others they fell asleep they were not awake so god gave them another opportunity stay awake wake up keep watch pray be alert Pray, be discerning. Pray so that you don't fall into the temptation of your flesh. Don't fall into the temptation to give up now. Don't fall into the temptation to just to run away. Don't fall into the temptation to reject or to neglect the calling and the gifting that God has put on the inside of you. Then Jesus left, uh, left them a second time and prayed. And in his prayer, part of his prayer was, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for he couldn't, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Again, they were asleep. So he went to pray a third time. And... Third time, saying the same things again. Even his prayer, Lord, if it be your will, please take it away. If I don't have to do this, I don't want to. But let your will be done. Lord, if this cup will only pass for me, only if I drink it, then let your will be done. He prayed continually. Jesus prayed the same thing. Over and over again. Till his flesh became subject to the spirit. Unyielded and in that he prayed Lord I recognize your authority I recognize your way is higher than my way your thoughts are higher than my thoughts so that's why I choose to submit to your will hallelujah and so what happened to the disciples verse 45 then he came to the disciples and said go ahead and sleep have your rest but look the time has come the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners he came back that third time and he they were asleep again. Like, you know what? Y'all want to give up and give out? You're going to miss everything. Because guess what? God, the rest of us, we're moving on. The plan of God is being done. Whether you want it to be done or not, it's going to be done. So you can roll with it or you can be on the other side against it. Now, I don't want to be against the will of God because there's nothing comfortable, easy, or or there's no, there's no blessing in that. If I choose to roll with the will of God, I can experience the glory, the prosperity, and see the performance of God. That's why I've got to stay awake. That's why I've got to be alert. That's why we have to watch as well as pray. And we have to be more intense, continual, deliberate, and disciplined we see here the prime example of how Jesus disciplined himself to stay awake in the garden and pray and he was trying to teach his disciples to do the same to enter in that same kind of intense prayer but for whatever reason they allowed their bodies their flesh to overrule what the spirit was saying and they chose not to submit and they fell asleep but guess what Ah, the will of God had to be done, and then he and then and they began to move forward. Up, let's let's be gone. Look, my betrayer is here. Hallelujah. So he told them to get up, and let's go, because they had the soldiers were coming for him in the garden. And the same account in Luke chapter 22, which we've read some of those verses already, starting at verse 40 he says. There in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you be willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Hallelujah. Don't you know when you pray, God will minister to you and give you strength? Now we know that the different accounts of the different uh, the uh, different apostles in the word to different uh, accounts of the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet still all are truthful, all are right. They show different parts of it for different reasons, and so we see here in Luke that not only did God, not only did Jesus step away from the disciples, but he was only a, he wasn't even that far. He was still yet in their presence. And he was asking them to pray. And even when Jesus prayed and asked and asked the Lord for help and asked God for help, he God sent an angel to minister to him, to strengthen him. So you're not in this by yourself. When you pray in that more intense season of prayer, you're not going to be by yourself. You will receive the strength that you need, the guidance that you need, the instruction that you need. Imagine the white lines of a crosswalk starting to appear to tell you which way to go. Hallelujah. 44. He prayed more fervently. Jesus prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Don't you know grief can wear you out? If you allow grief and sorrow, the reason why they fell asleep wasn't just because they were tired. They allowed, they yielded they to the temptation of anger. They yielded to the tension of worry and sorrow and grief and anxiety and fear so much so that it overwhelmed their body and put them to sleep. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Ah, are you sleeping? That's my question to you. Are you sleeping? We see there in verse 46. That's what Jesus said to them. Get up and pray. A more intense season of prayer. Get up and pray. God, It is God's desire for us to communicate with him, to tell him what it is that we need, and even share the thoughts of our hearts as we even saw Jesus share the thoughts and the concerns of his heart. And yet, instill honor, reverence, and respect the authority and the will of God. Can we do the same? Jesus was our model for us. And if Jesus did it, then we can do it. Jesus even taught his disciples how to pray with the model prayer of our Father who art in heaven. He gave that was a model, an outline of how to pray. And then he even showed them how to engage in prayer, even a more intense season of prayer. And even in this, he even showed three of them firsthand how to do it, how to pray and then to intercede. And so it is not unreasonable for God to ask the same of you. It's not unreasonable for you to yield your mind, your body, your will, your emotions to do the same. Because God wants to take you somewhere. He wants to lead you from one one place to the next. So are you sleeping or are you awake and praying? It's time to wake up and pray. It's time to wake up and pray. Matthew 26 and 40 says, And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? I encourage you, study that word watch, and see how much more it is. Not just being awake and seeing things naturally, but can you are you awake in the spirit? Are you praying in your spirit? Are you entering into that more intense season of prayer? Are you fervently praying? Are you continually praying? Are you praying with thanksgiving, with expectation? Are you discerning? Are you also going into intercession for others? Whatever it is, we know that God has great and awesome things planned for us for 2019, and we want to be in the in the position to receive it. And it's going to require more of us. Just as we had in our praise and worship today, we should kind of really a song, Yes! There's more that God requires of us. But you've got to be willing to say yes. You've got to be willing to do more. To get more. And the more in doing so is not of actions of our flesh or works of our flesh that we can boast in our own strength but it's our submission and our obedience to God. Hallelujah. So I encourage you to wake up. It's time to pray.